What's up everybody, it's your boy Matty. We have some exciting news for you. We have been provided a special discount promo code from BioSteel Sports to give to our loyal Canada Hoops followers and listeners. The discount code is CanadaHoops30. You get 30% off your order. It's online only and valid in Canada. BioSteel is a tremendous brand and their sports hydration and sports nutrition products are incredible. I use BioSteel hydration products all the time, especially playing basketball. We're excited to offer the Canada Hoops 30 discount code to you. When you make a purchase online at biosteel.ca using the Canada Hoops 30 discount code, you're also supporting Canada Hoops podcast at the same time. BioSteel is not an official partner or sponsor of Canada Hoops, but they have provided us and you with this awesome discount. Thank you to our listeners and followers for your continued love and support of Canada Hoops podcast. And now, Canada Hoops, hosted by Maddie Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Canada Hoops. It's your boy, Maddie. Thank you for your tremendous support. Please continue to download, like, and share us. Our guest today represents Montreal, Quebec. He is a former Niagara Purple Eagle, where he became the all-time highest-scoring Canadian in Division One basketball. The man was an absolute bucket. And, of course, he put in work with the senior men's national team for Canada basketball, give it up for Juan Mendez. Juan, thanks for joining us on Canada Hoops. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on here. Yeah, it's exciting, and um, you know, I love um, you know the the appreciation you've shown us, and um, looking forward to this conversation and uh, getting into your story and you know your game and just um, how are things, man? Let our Canada Hoops listeners the Canada basketball community and your fans know how you're doing and where you're at, man. Well, I'm good. You know, I got a, I got my little family. Um, I'm working on a project as we speak with uh, the TBL, which is uh, the basketball league, an American league that's been around for about six years. I just incorporated a team here in Quebec, the first team actually in Canada. So that's, I'm pretty excited for that um, moving forward. And yeah, man, I'm still still around the game. Still love it. Still try to teach it. Uh, give, I try to give back to the community as much as I can when it comes to uh, my experience and my journey. So um, that's where I'm at as we speak. But yeah, I mean, look, it's it's great. It's great to always give back, and this is one of those things that I'm doing for Canada and for obviously my province here in Quebec. So that team is going to start like next season. Can you give us a little bit more? So basically, the, um, the the season starts in uh, early February, okay, uh, and it ends up in June. So we'll be starting uh, preseason in January. So basically, twenty twenty three. So basically, in a couple of months. So I've been kind of busy running around, but I got to make time for you and and the fans to to make sure I get back and let them hear what we got to say here. So I'm excited. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's make sure we show one and uh, some love there, everybody, when he gets that. 
the team up and running and then they started playing and uh yeah you know we appreciate you making that time for us um no problem yeah for sure let's uh let's run it back one tell us about a, sure. a young one growing up in montreal and playing other sports and then just how did basketball really start to become a passion for you man okay so uh, <clears throat> i grew up with eight brothers and sisters yeah uh, it, it was always tough in the household you know coming from uh, uh poverty like very, very very poor area here in montreal i had to grow up kind of you know on my toes and, and try to figure things out on my own even though i had brothers and sisters who were a little bit older and if not they're too young so um i started playing football crazy story okay. true story okay. start playing Amer- american football not soccer because some people get confused but i started making yeah. american football i love the game you know i love the quarterback position i love receiving i love the offensive side of everything and uh, the aggression of the sport so this is where um i started playing sports and understanding how to be a team player and understand how how to win with people you know that communication aspect of it was was amazing for me you know i needed to go through that um then I, I got a growth spurt at like 12, 12, 13 years old. I grew about four or five inches one summer. And you know how it goes. I mean, you start growing, then everybody tells you, look, you got to play another sport. Yeah. Because football is not going to be the sport that's going to take you to where you want to be. So what I did was I, I dabbled back and forth, played football. Then I would play basketball during the course of uh, of the, the winter, you know, because obviously here uh, you can't really – do anything in the winter time so you have to go into a gym to try to you know figure things out instead of being on the streets i picked up a basketball so then that's when i started really falling in love with the game and then uh you know you started loving the game uh working on your game you know who did you look up to on the basketball court whose game made you really say wow so i couldn't really compare myself to, to like the actual idols that i used to look up to when i used to watch the game of basketball which was my man MJ, obviously our time, right. Michael Jordan. Right. Everybody, people don't know that. You should know. Do your history. Michael <laughs> yeah. a, the greatest player to ever play the game. So yeah. I would watch him play and I would just, I would be in awe, you know, watching it uh, through the television on how he could capture a crowd. And I always thought, man, that, that must be amazing. That must be one of those feelings that, you know, it's it's like a drug, basically. It's, it's, it's You're at a high. You're the all-time high. Because you're getting everybody's attention in an arena, and you're able to do what you want to do on your own terms. And he was one of those players that I would idolize and look up to when I'd watch the game. Now, comparing my game, I'd rather go Larry Johnson, nice, <laughs> Grandmama, nice, and uh, Mr. Charles Barkley. You know, because I used to love rebounding the hell of the ball, and I didn't have enough skills when I was younger, which I had to work on uh, with, with time, but. I love rebounding the ball, and I said, look, if I'm going to be on the court, I have to rebound this ball and do the little things to be able to stay on the court and, and you know, progress. So that's those are my two guys that I would I would look up to. Um, actually, three. Michael Jordan, one. Larry Johnson, you know, catered to my game. Yeah. And uh, Barkley. Yeah, I see a lot of LJ in your game, and I, I, I'm trying to think with – Everyone that uh, has joined us on Canada Hoops, I don't think we've ever had a uh, a Larry Johnson Larry Johnson's reference. So we're we're, we're loving I that. To, I used to wear his uh, grandma Ma's his uh, his Converse. I used to love them, and it's I crazy. Had, yeah, I had was, those too, man. Actually, uh, they're amazing. They're I think those, I think those I are the first hoop shoes black I ever purple. had, man. Oh, uh, yeah, they're amazing yeah. shoes. I wish 
I wish he could come and bring them back out. I, I would for sure rock them. But those were one of my favorite shoes to rock uh, when okay. I was a kid. Yeah, it was. And, and and then it just so ironic. They had purple, right? Right. They had purple. So, I mean, you know, fast forward to the future. Now you're talking about Niagara University. Right. Somewhere I went, obviously the purple, that color, you know, it's it's special and dear to me. So, um, yeah, that's that's. That's my story when it comes to those guys and those Love pros, it. right? Right. Um, and let's just talk about your high school seasons. One, I know yeah. um, you made the decision to leave Montreal and attend uh, and play at Florida Prep Academy. Um, just talk Florida about Air Academy. Florida Air Academy, right? Because it was a military school, correct? It was a military school, yes. Aeronautical school. So um, how did that uh, decision talk about and just – you know, how difficult how the, was that to leave, man? Okay, so when when I left Montreal, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't on terms of me just leaving because I was a great player and people were just, you know, scouts were just looking at me and wanted me to go to the U.S. No, it didn't happen that way. Right. It was sheer luck. I call it sheer luck and hard work combining itself to give me the opportunity to get to where I was at that point in time. So what happened was I, I got, um, I got expelled from my high school and I didn't want to tell my parents that I was not going to school. So what I would do is I'll go to the YMCA and play ball, you know, during the course of the day and then come back at 4 PM and act like I was in school when I was, when I wasn't. So I started playing on the YMCA basketball team and, um, uh, a guy of uh, Adrian Benjamin, I'll never forget that name. He saw me playing in the gym and told me, Hey, Juan, I would like to talk to you for a second. I got a scholarship for you at a prep school in Florida. I looked at the pamphlet and I said, You know what? I can't do this. My parents cannot afford it. Thank you for the opportunity, but I got to go. So uh, a week later, he came back. We had, I think it was the semifinals, uh, had a pretty good game. And he goes, Look, the only thing you got to do is go, go back home figure out your ticket situation to get to the prep school and everything else will will speak for itself and and that's what happened so i got on a plane one of the hardest decisions i had to make in my life for sure i was only 14 14 years old never left my family before that uh always used to growing up with brothers and sisters i had to leave alone jump on a plane alone without my parents and go somewhere and and trust in another person to take care of me and to make sure everything was going to be okay so, was it scary? Yes, it was. I'm not going to sit here and lie to, to the fans and the people that are listening in. It was one of the most scariest moments of my life. But I was willing to take that risk because I wanted better for my family and myself. And, you know, the rest was history after I decided to go there. But, yeah, it was tough times. Did you, um, like, just talk about that adjustment? I know you're a young age, but... Um, oh, man, terms of the basketball on the floor and then just trying to navigate off the floor i imagine oh. at like a military prep school there's a lot of uh regimen and routine pretty strict yes. just, just just get yeah. into that man <laughs> okay so we're gonna start off with a with a regular day at faa okay so you wake up at six in the morning you wake yeah. up at actually five forty-five. you have six o'clock uh you have to be in the hall of flags for um what is it for, uh, what do you call it, huh? for, for like formation? Like so drill. Yeah. Drill. Yeah. So, yeah. so we would, would go there, all the squadrons, 
you have to have your uniform all cleaned. You can't have no stains. You have to have your shoes shined, your buckled, lined up with the stream of your shirt. You know, it had to be the whole nine yards. You had to be perfect shape at right. six six a.m. in the morning every morning, right? Um, and for me, the adjustment was it was very hard for the first, I think, three or four months because I was not used to that at all, at all. Um, it was one of the hardest things because now I'm coming from my parents taking care of me and having brothers and sisters to a structure that I've never ever thought or imagined in my wildest dreams that I was going to be part of. Right. I think going through the grind of waking up at five forty-five, being at formation at 6 AM eating breakfast at six forty-five, having to be in class by seven 30 and then practicing in the afternoon. That was my safe haven, the basketball court. Right. You know, I was like, Hey, well, I could be myself finally, because before that, during the course of the day, I had to be someone that they wanted me to be, kind of thing. And it was it was just controlled, you know. Everything was just controlled, and it was it was very tough. I'm not gonna lie; it was very tough. And not having uh, your support system, which is your family, you know, and having to deal with strangers on a day to day basis and people that might not like you, that like you, and, and try to navigate through that, it was was wasn't the easiest. But I got through it, man. I got I did what I had to do to. <laughs> to continue that journey so yeah but it was not easy at all at all and what about the basketball side just talk about um the season well, now the season there you go success oh absolutely so starting basketball over there that would be that would mark the first time juan mendez is ever playing uh organized basketball in his life right because <laughs> yeah. everything in montreal is basically pick up basketball okay um I never played organized basketball before I got there, so I had a lot of learning to do with the time I had there. So I had to pick up quick. I was lucky enough that I was skilled. I had a little bit of skill, and I, and I was athletic. So that, that kept me on the court. But when it came to the rigors of playing with players that knew how to play the game and understood it way more than I did, yeah, it was it was, it was a struggle for the first few months. Right. But uh, everything everything worked out. Everything worked out. I did what I had to do. I, I dedicated myself to, to improve uh, mentally and physically when it came to the game and, and be the best person I could be at that age. I, I promised myself that. You know, it was one of those things where I had to really commit, you know, and, and everything was just revolving around making those decisions to make sure I could keep up and just get better. What, um, you know, when you wrap up your time there and you're looking at uh, offers, um, yep. you know, and where you're going to play at the next level. Just talk about the recruitment, how you navigate that, uh, you know, what schools did you consider, and then before you decided to eventually attend Niagara. Okay, so uh, my junior year, I went to visit FSU. Okay. I visited UCF. Um, they were interested. But I, I, oops, I didn't have, you know, the people around me who could actually guide me to make these kind of decisions. You know, my family, nobody played basketball before. So it was like a, asking, you know, a regular old Joe, listen, what should I do? And then just give their opinion. But when it came to someone who really supported me and understood what I was going through, I didn't have that. So I had to navigate alone. So um, my senior year, I think we we went undefeated. We won states. We had Georgia Southern. I had like a moment with 30 or 40 schools. Very interested in me. Okay. And 
yeah, I I went on a couple of visits. I went to Arkansas State, uh, New Mexico was was interested. Fran Fraschella was the coach at the time. Oh yeah. Uh, there was a lot of schools that were interested, but it was it was just like Niagara was one of those fits where I was able to go in and uh, play with my with my best friend to this day. Uh, he's coaching now in Florida. His first year out of uh, being a professional basketball player, he he. I told him, I said, look, we're going to go to school together and we're going to go win a championship like we did in high school. But I, I didn't know how hard it would be <laughs> in comparison to high school, right? Right. Especially diving into the uh, NTAs, Division One. So we decided to go to Niagara together. I said, look, that's close to home for me. I've been far away from home for the last three, four years here in Florida. Let me go close to home and see what I could do and, and let's try to get at least a conference championship out of it, right? So. Right. Um, did we accomplish what we wanted to do? Well, yes, because we did win the max my senior year. Um, but yeah, it was just more of going together, experiencing college together, playing together and understanding what our goals were going to be. And that, that was just to win at the end of the day, people always see my numbers and see what I've done as a player, but, uh, my, my end result to everything was just trying to win as much games as possible. So when I leave and I retire, like I did, people could just call me a winner, you know, not not a person who just thinks about scoring points and being the number one uh, on a team or a roster, whatever, or however you want to call it or see it. Yeah, I mean, looking, your decision paid off. You know that um, our listeners and Canada basketball people know know that uh, you became the highest scoring Canadian. In Division One basketball, you were named the MAC Player of the Year in 2005, um, and you have your name and number up in the rafters in Niagara yes. as well. I mean, you're you're a forever a Purple Eagle legend, you know. Yes. Um, just talk about making that transition and that next level of playing college hoops. Um, okay, so learning each so year me, and progressing, man. Okay, so my freshman year, I think was was an eye opener for me. Um, Joe Mahalik, greatest for me, one of the greatest coaches I've 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 got the pleasure to to play for at the collegiate level. He was one of the most honest and transparent people that I've met to this day. He decided to tell me the truth when I before I even went into school as a freshman. He told me, Juan, we have an all rookie, all conference big man on our team. We have two juniors, two sophomores, and a senior. So the chances of you playing are very hard. But if you work super hard, we can make sure you get some playing time. Right. That's all I ask for. I'm not asking to be a starter. I'm not asking, uh, give me, give me every, no, I'm going to work for what I deserve. And I can live with that. You know, I can live with that. I can wake up every day and say, you know what? I, I did the best I could, even if I don't play. But he told me those words and I said, okay, I'm playing for this guy. If this is the way it's going to be. I think we're going to have a great a great relationship moving forward. So with that being said, my freshman year, I didn't start my first few games. Obviously, I was just learning the system. Uh, crazy story. My second game as a freshman, Jesse Young, George Mason University. Nice. Play him. Yeah. Right? I don't know Jesse at this time. Okay. But I hear, I hear people rave about this Canadian. So I'm like, I got to see this guy play. <laughs> I got to see what I'm missing or, or what I need to do to get to that level. Right. I see my man, Jay Young. 
He's playing with George Mason. They beat us in the Gallagher Center. And I go, okay, well, I know where I got to get to. Right. I see the guy playing. This is the guy that, that we have to look up to and we have to try to emulate or get better or be better. One of the two. You know what I mean? Like, one of the three. So yeah. what I did was I started just working on my game and, and just watching. I watched Jesse a lot uh, via tape. Because he was he was a killer, you know that Jesse Young was a killer for sure. So um, watched him play, and yeah, man, he was one of those guys that really propelled me from my freshman year to my sophomore year to get that much better. Right? He right. motivated, he motivated me. As crazy as it sounds, even though I ended up playing with him, he motivated me to to be a better player. Because that's the first guy I saw as a Canadian at that NCAA level playing, and then I said, okay, well, now I know what I have to do to get to where I need to be. Yeah, that was my freshman year. Remember it clearly like it was like it was yesterday. So continuing with that being said, I didn't play for the first maybe four or five games. Coach threw me in against St. Peter's. St. Peter's, you know, the Cinderella story yeah. last last year. Yeah. yeah, we played against St. Peter's in Jersey and um, I had a great game. I broke out. I had a good game. I had like, I think, 20 and seven or something like that. All right. So this is where my my game propelled and coach started have trust in me. But I didn't start just scoring points. It was more of getting that extra rebound on offense, you know, taking a charge, you know, do blocking shots, doing the extra to, just to get on the court because I knew it wasn't going to be easy. And I had to play. I couldn't be the – obviously, I wasn't the first, first star on the team. I was like the third or fourth guy that coach would look to as an option when it came to, to me as a freshman. And I was fine with it. You know, I just played my role because at the end of the day, what I'm thinking about is actually winning games because the more games we win, the better we look and, you know, the better we we are as a team, right? right? So we end up playing Siena, Prosker Carangua. Nice. <laughs> Pros. So Pros is now at this time, he's a junior. You know, he has his role. He's molded. Right. And they beat us in the uh, conference uh, conference finals in Albany. Okay, so when you talk to Pross, that's the story he has on me, that he's always, he's gotten me in the finals. I right. said, okay, Pross, you got me. Right. But he got me, and, and, and yeah, I learned from it. That year, my freshman year, I ended up playing 23 minutes per game, averaged nine and six, and ended up being sixth man of the, of the conference. Nice. So now with that, with that, coach said, you know what? sophomore year this kid's got to start because he's doing th- he's doing something right, right. Uh, and we're winning games so sophomore year came around uh, I was a starter then that's when everything skyrocketed you know skyrocketed I started playing better I was more comfortable in my own skin I knew what was expected from me and I would just improve you know I would just try to improve every year to try to try to be better you know the junior year same thing improvement three points I think three or four points per year or something like that when it came to my average. Um, and Jay came along, Mr. Jay Triano. Nice. He comes along uh, and asked me to be part of the national team. Now, this is a whole different ballgame now because I'm dealing with Rowan Barrett, Peter Garacci, Greg Newton. For the listeners out there, these are, these are the older guys. These are the guys that went to the Olympics the last time. They're the we were OGs. There. Yeah, the real OGs. Yeah. Steve Nash. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm like 19 to maybe turning 20 at the time. And uh, we go to summer league and we play LA. Nice. And 
and and uh, Will Biden was on the team, Kareem okay. Rush, yeah. Walton, all those guys, right? So for me to see this and to be experienced in this was like, wow, who would have thought I would have been in this position? Not me. <laughs> right. You know, I'm a little kid from Montreal, <laughs> going to Niagara and having the opportunity to get coached from one of the best coaches in Canada at the time, right. which still is, you know, I'm biased, but right. the best coach in Canada and play with these Olympians because they were at the time, these guys, these guys just came off uh, uh, the Olympics right. in Sydney. Um, I had enough to experience during that course of the summer that those guys helped me propel my collegiate career when it came to my game, my junior and senior year. And, and then I seen enough basketball during that course of those summers that I spent with them that it didn't really bother me. It was more of just sticking to what I needed to do and try to get as much wins as possible to get to that next level. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, uh, you know, go back, just shout out Jesse, a uh, friend of ours and, um, Shout out, shout out, Jay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tag him in this episode. He knows that. Absolutely. And then, okay. um, yeah, just the the ability to um, work alongside some of those vets and and propel your game. I just think that's that's really cool. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. That those are those are the experiences that um, you can't take away. Right. You know those guys, even though I mean they're they're older and all that good stuff. They they teach you a lot just being on the floor with them. They don't have to say much. Right. They, you know, everybody's game speaks for itself, you know, and then you just learn. Even without knowing it, sometimes you're doing things that you're like, where did I get this from? Well, obviously, you, you must have seen it somewhere yeah. or you must have, you know, watched uh, some practice habits during the course of the summer when these guys are playing and and just the professionalism and all those guys, you know, hats off to Peter Garacci, again, Greg Newton, uh, Sean Swords. Yeah. I think the list is long. Prosper was on that team. I mean, Rowan. Right. Uh, a lot of these guys, you know, I, I, I really admire these guys because they really took it seriously and, and were very, very hardworking, disciplined human beings and easy to get along with. You know, usually when you get in those positions, these older guys don't want to coddle you and, and try to help you to try to grow. Right. Those guys took the time and actually tried to help me become the player I am today or I was in the past because now I don't play as much no more so awesome that's it uh, good time yeah one one last thing about Niagara one I'm wondering yep um, like the whole highest scoring Canadian was that yeah like was that something that was out there by the time you were wrapping up or did anyone really know like was there any uh, kind of chatter about that at all or so um, all that happened okay I'll tell you the story that I remember um I, I wasn't sure. I didn't know that was a, a record until right. Mr. Uh, Mr. Grange. You know Danny Grange? Yeah, yeah. Danny, yeah, Danny, Danny Grange. No, Toronto Michael Star. Grange. My, sorry, Michael Grange. Michael Grange. Michael yeah. Grange. Mr. Michael Grange came to me. We we had a game in St. Bonnie's, okay. St. Bonaventure. Yeah. Okay. And it was it was a blizzard. It was like storm. Like you don't want to go there in the middle of the winter to St. Bonnie's to watch a basketball game. Right. This one Canadian reporter out of nowhere says, hey, Juan, can I talk to you for a second? You know, I gave him time of day. We we're about to jump on a bus for about four or five hours, maybe six because of the weather. Right. I said, why not? What, what do you need to talk about? And he, he explained to me, he goes, listen, you're about to break a record. And he was the first one to break the story. 
to Canadians. Nice. Me and Michael, like, I, lo- I love him. When I see him, if it wasn't for him, Canadians wouldn't even know that that, that would have happened. You know, so shout out to Michael Grange. I apologize. Michael no, Grange. Yeah, Grange. Uh, My God. Grange. Yeah, he joined us on the on the pod uh, first season. Oh, really? And, yeah. and uh, he's, he's special, man. He he came in his, uh, his gloves on. He was all wrapped up <laughs> to come interview me. And then during the course of the season, while um, I was getting closer to the to the actual record, yeah, he would come to Niagara because because remember Niagara is only like an hour and forty five from Toronto, right? He would come up and interview me, and every time he came in, that was the first guy I wanted to interview me, and want and wanted him there because he noticed it from from day one, even before it happened. You're talking months before, right? right. Um, he was that guy, so that's how that all came about, and then. Obviously, it picked up fire, and right. everybody started finding out, and it became a story. But, uh, yeah, that's the guy I give credit to when it comes to that. Man, that's really cool. I didn't know that, and I'll just um, share this with you and our listeners. But when I was in Victoria last month, watch, yeah. watching Canada versus Argentina, uh, I was fortunate enough to get a media credential through Canada basketball, but I was sitting next to Grange. Oh, he's the best. And... Um, just watching that man out of his craft and, uh, you know, doing what he does to cover the game uh, across the country, the NBA, the Raptors, Canada basketball was, uh, it was really cool and it was special. And Mike kind of took care of me and that was my first time doing that. And um, Oh man, he's, know, he's one of the best. Actually, he is the best when you, when it comes to that. No he's doubt. very professional. No doubt. He understands, he gets the game, he knows where it's going. I mean, yeah. Number one fan. He's no, no. that guy. Yeah, shout out Grange. Uh, pro. Oh, Grangey. Uh, pro, one, let's talk about you're going to turn pro and the process pro. The process that goes with that. Tell us about, you know, making that transition and finding a team and, a, yeah. you know, an agent so, and a contract to, to start your career, man. Okay, so basically I started out with uh, BDA, Bill Duffy. Okay. Uh, okay. When I first came out, his agency. Uh, I um, was part of the draft process, went to Chicago pre-draft camp, went to Portsmouth. I did well, both sides. Um, didn't get drafted, obviously. Right. I was supposed to second round with the Raptors, Mr. Babcock, but did not work out. Whatever the case may be, they chose to go elsewhere, fine. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I, I was happy because I knew I was going to graduate and... At the same time, I was going to be able to play basketball moving forward, regardless whether it's in the NBA or Europe. I knew I was going to have a job. Right. Okay. You know, that's something that not everybody could say they could do, especially at a high level. So my first job out, uh, I go to Italy. Okay. First division, Roma Lotomatica, my first actual job. All right. Now, you know... (laughs) Roma Lotomatica is like the highest levels of it. That's Eurobasket, basically. Right. Okay. I'm coming out of Niagara. <laughs> a 22-year-old, skinny, 230-pound, 6'7", kid who could just jump out the gym right. and have a little bit of IQ. Right. So it's like, okay, well, these are grown men now. <laughs> you know, it's a totally different game. Much quicker. These guys are much smarter. And it's like, it's an adjustment. But remember, when you go to these pro teams, it's about winning. It's not about adjustment. They don't give you the time to adjust. So what they did was they sent me to a second division team in uh, in Italy, in Sicily. 
had a had a solid year. Team didn't do so well, um, but I, but I averaged like twenty three, uh, rebounded the ball. I did everything I needed to do to be a great teammate. But we just didn't have the weapons to be able to win because right. some more Americans got injured. And once one or two Americans go down, and you're the only American, the chances of you winning are very slim in Europe. That's the way it works. Uh, then I ended up playing uh, in Greece for like two months for playoffs. And then I came home. And then I went to Israel for two years, which I loved, right. by the way. Shout out Israel. Uh, the league over there was great. The people were great. I still have a lot of friends and family. Uh, ended up going to China after that, Ukraine. And then I and then I came back home and started wrapping things up because I was getting older and family came into play and I just had to say, you know what, the game the game is past me. That's it. Not that I couldn't play, but I just passed me because my mind was more into having my, my daughter, which was uh, born. Right. So that's when I decided to say, you know what, basketball, that's that. <laughs> that's that's that. Well as a player. Like you like you, you touched on it, you know, pro is pro, it doesn't matter where you at and uh, yes. you know it allowed you to make a living and help provide oh, help provide for your uh you know your family um i think you know and obviously the european leagues are a lot more um advanced if you will now and i mean to play high level pro over there is, is nothing to you know at any era is nothing to be uh you know sad no. about if you will and um was was Israel your favorite stop then overseas? Uh, they were all different. They all had their their positives and negatives. Right. I enjoyed every experience overseas because I was able to travel the world, uh, see new cultures, meet new people. I mean, for me, that's what that's what I really embraced. You know, uh, it's fun when you when you have the opportunity to travel the world, do what you love to do, which is to play basketball. Right be able to meet people that you'll never meet in any other type of setting, especially when you're at home, you know? So I'm very blessed to say that I was able to do that. And favorite places, I don't have a favorite place. Okay. It's more of every place I went to gave me a memory and that I'll never forget. So I love them all. Do you have you know, a, like uh, one, big, one big home? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Do you have like a, uh, maybe a wild story with some of the fans or the, the rabbit arenas over there or something that might stand out? I will give you the craziest fans, <laughs> I think, in Europe. All right, okay. I was in Greece. Uh, we played. I was with Panelinos. We were playing Ike. In Ike. Okay. It was the craziest game. We won at the buzzard. And uh, the fans, they went so crazy. They started throwing. They started heating up quarters or coins and throwing it at us oh man i said okay they're gonna kill us here we're, yeah. we're not we're not making it out this arena we had to stay in the arena for a solid two and a half hours before we could leave because the fans were outside waiting for us so that's one of my wild and crazy stories in greece yeah no doubt they're crazy it's like you have soccer fans in a basketball arena right okay <laughs> that's not a good uh that's not a good recipe for success that's a disaster coming waiting to happen so no, no doubt um, yeah that's where that's where it ends for me i said never again i was actually feared for my life in that place so <laughs> but yeah that's that's one of the wildest stories i've had uh 
to share with in the, I mean, with people about about Greece when it comes to that. But it's a great great place to live, though. Tell you that. Sure. Well, and obviously here on Canada Hoops, we love to chat about Canada basketball, especially with guests who have played for the program, which you have done. For you personally, you know, what did what did playing for Canada mean to you throughout your career, man? What did it mean to me? Well, <clears throat> born and raised in Canada. Right. You know, you always, as a Canadian or any native of any country, you want to represent your country and be proud. Okay, that was that was one of the reasons I decided to play for Canada because I had an option to play for the Dominican Republic and I said no. Right. All I know is Canada because it's my home. This is where I'm from. This is what I built. This is what I know. Um, but yeah, my roots may be Dominican, but at the same time, what I know is here on this soil. Right. So I would do whatever it takes to represent the country. And it means a lot, you know, when, when you know a whole country is backing you um, and hoping you succeed to, to do the best you can. Um, and you just got to leave it on the floor. You know, that's my way of showing my gratification as a, as an athlete at the time to the country that we're here and we're here to stay. Right. So it's just that pride, you know, the desire to win, to be the best, you know, cause I think Canadians are still the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I've been, like I told you, and, and many people know, I mean, I've just been a huge fan of the, the Canada basketball program and the community for years. I've always kind of gravitated towards people that have played for uh, Canada as opposed to the NBA stuff. I mean, yes, it's great we got it's great we got some serious hoopers in the league, no doubt. But, uh, oh. you know, my love affair for Canada basketball, goal, it, you know, really that 2000 team in Sydney and you talked about some of those vets I mean for me that was amazing and um, so that's why we have Canada Hoops and that's why we have guests like yourself and uh, you know I always just love getting everybody's insight on the program um, do you got a favorite teammate or maybe you know a guy you didn't know too well and then develop that, that good friendship from your time uh, together playing for Canada favorite team Any, anybody stand out or yeah I actually, the the guy that I stay in touch mostly with, um, it was a short stint, but it was it was well worth it. Um, it's one of the best one of the best times when it comes to Canada basketball. While while I was there, my time, um, there's two guys actually that I, I talk to on a basically day to day basis or weekly basis is Joel Anthony and uh, Sam Delambert. Oh, right? for sure. So those two guys, Montreal natives. Yeah. One. So I talk to them on a regular. You know, those guys. Those are my guys. Nice. We. Yeah, we we've stayed pretty much in touch. I talked to Carl a lot too. I talked to a few few players, but those two the most. Nice. Um, yeah, those are the two guys that I could say that I reach out to the most. You know, when it comes to our relationships. Well, we got. Uh Joel in the works there. We've kind of been back and forth for quite a while, and he's uh, yeah. he's super busy. Don't worry, I'll reach out to him this week and let him know. <laughs> yeah, he uh, actually he messaged me there last week and said, "My friend, we'll we'll get it done." He's just been super busy, so I mean, it's it's uh, yes, it's all love. We're looking forward to that. And I just want to bring up the uh, the 2007 FIBA Americas tournament team. Um, you know, I we talked about that a little bit before we recorded, but I. Um, 
you know, that team I just thought had, um, if you, in my opinion, like that team was kind of starting to really set the path in a lot of way for. Yep. Next, the Warriors. Yep. Yeah. Warriors next generation. Um, right. Lots of uh, guests of our podcasts uh, from that team. We're very grateful for that. Obviously yourself and Carl and Levon and um, Levon. Jay Young. Yeah. Jay Young. Absolutely. And, um, Absolutely. Uh, rock we were just recorded with rock we haven't released that yet but um and obviously leo as a coach so i just thought you know that team was unique and special just in terms of the program um, yep. really starting to to set the path perhaps awesome. yeah for sure man um we 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 tried we tried we did the best we could with what was given oh for so. sure man no doubt <laughs> um i just wanted to touch on Montreal basketball um, just shed some light on the on the wave of talent that's coming out of Montreal. And if you go back and let's start, say with you and Sam and Joel, and yep. now, now we go on down to to Kem and Chris yeah. Lou and Benedict just got drafted. I mean, the Montreal talent is bonkers, and I'm not so sure that Toronto can totally lay claim to producing the best talent anymore it's really close and um it's getting there you know i just you know especially with let's talk you know in terms of canada basketball hopefully we can get everybody um playing together at one time but just um you know just being a montreal guy and being a high level yes. national team guy and and perhaps starting that path just talk about you know that's got to be a lot of pride for you man absolutely so um I, I try not to take too much credit because obviously there have been guys before us here in Montreal right. that really didn't get the recognition. And I, uh, I'm going to name some names you might know: Wayne Yearwood, right. Trevor, Trevor Speedy Williams, uh, Dwight Walton. Right. Uh, guys like that really paved the way for the guys that you see, like myself, right. Sam, Joel, uh, and now Kem, Lou, Ben, uh, Chris. Right. I mean. It's always been here. It's just more of getting that recognition. And now finally these, I mean, people are noticing that Montreal has a lot of talent. Because there's still, I, I believe, that there was still talent that wasn't untapped. I mean, look, I got noticed because I went to the U.S. Right. If I would have stayed in Montreal, people wouldn't know who Juan Mendez was. Right. At all. Right. Um, same thing with a lot of players that just didn't get the opportunity to really step out of the province and be able to uh, showcase their talents. But now the way social media works and the way the world works is it's all, it's all about social media. Right now you go on the internet and you could see a kid and you could say, wow, that kid is pretty talented and you can just go grab him wherever he's from in the world. So they're going to find it's you easier. Yeah. They, yeah. they would, they would find it. now. Now it's easier to find these kids. And now you're seeing with these products that we have now coming out, that the talent has always been here. Right. It's just, you have to go take a look. So it's a hotbed of, of, of basketball players and it's only going to grow. Trust me when I tell you, cause I see the youth now right. and there's like a four or five kids that for sure are going to be in the league within the next eight to nine years. Right. So, I mean, that just shows where the game is going. Uh, and it's great for the, for the city, for the province, for the country. And I always look forward to, just getting better, whether it's me or whether it's those guys. I mean, I just want the best for, you know, 
Canadians right. so we can progress. You know, at, actually, at the end of the day, basketball is our sport. As much as Americans claim it, <laughs> it is our sport. Right. So we've got to take pride in that. And I try to do that here in Montreal. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well done. We appreciate that. Uh, all right, man. Who is Juan Mendez's top five or favorite five of all time for Canada basketball? Canada basketball. So let's start off with uh, point guard, Steve Nash. Yep. Okay. Back up, Rock. Yeah. <laughs> That's my guy. Yeah. Rock. Okay, J Rock. Steady is steady, steady, very steady. Uh, two, I'll go with. Um, it's tough. I'll go Denim Brown. Nice. In his prime. Okay. Denim Brown in his prime. That was my guy, uh, D Brown. Okay. We'll go three. Three's a toss-up because you see, I never, I was, I wasn't able to see Leo play, right, or or Jay, but I, but I've heard stories, and it's like really hard to really put them, you know, in in that category. But the guys, I'm going to talk to you about the guys I played with or I've seen play. Okay, so I'll go three. Rowan Barrett, nice, yeah. Three. Rowan Barrett. Uh, four. Obviously, I'm biased. I'm going to put myself. Okay, I'm, no, I'm joking. No, do it, <laughs> um, man. Uh, <laughs> I'll put myself at the four because it's just I can't. I can't leave myself out of the top five. I cannot. Okay. Okay. For me. For me. I love it. That, that's like a dream. That's like my dream starting lineup. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Row at the three. Uh, me at the four, and the five. I never played with McGlure. I know he was good offensively. Right. But because I'm because I put, I stuck myself at the four spot, I got to put Sam as a defender at the five. Nice, <laughs> nice. Because I need that defense. You know what I mean. So that'll be my starting five. That'll be my starting five. That's a great five. I don't know if anyone's ever put Sam in there. He kind of gets lost in the fold. A lost. Bit. He lost in the fold right. a little bit. But uh, he, when, when you talk about when you talk about just sheer athleticism, yeah, and just tenacity. Sam had that. It's just remember he he came on in a time where the team wasn't like he, guys weren't playing together for so long. Like he never played with us before, right. so it's hard for him to really adjust the chemistry to find that chemistry. But if he was there when when we really started this run with those guys that we talk about, Carl, Levon, myself, you know, in two thousand, like say two three, yeah going into four then that's a different sam that's playing because he's gonna understand our games but he didn't really understand our games but he knew i tell you this i give you this he knew that me and him we our games complemented each other because right. he knew i was more of offensive and he was more defensive so that's what you really needed at the time but i mean it is what it is that's yeah that's that shout out that's a that's a great five man we appreciate that yeah it's not bad it's not bad i'll take those guys like i'll take those guys anytime well, obviously, you know, Steve pretty much makes everyone's five. Um, Denim, much Denim, better. Yeah, Denim gets a, a lot of love. We got we got Denim lined up to come on, and uh, Roe is uh, Roe speaks for himself. And we got we got Juan Mendez and D'Alembert in Montreal. So I love it, man. Go there, you go. So that's my start. That's my top five. I hope these guys, the other guys, don't listen in, so they don't think I'm uh, <laughs> I'm trying to keep them out. But no, I mean that's. That's more ideal. That's more ideal for me. Carl threw himself in his five too, so 
Did he? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, Carl's like, you know, in his new feed, he's like, well, he put me next to Steve Nash, I'll average 40, and you know what I mean? Oh, so, come on, Carl. <laughs> so Carl's going to Carl's gonna shoot it no matter what, so. Yeah, yeah, but look, listen, anybody will score 40 if, if they're next to Steve, so. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, uh, yeah, I know it was, I mean, it, it, it's good. It's good. That That's that's my lineup. I think that's, it's fair. You know, you got, you got two studs like, uh, Steve and Rowan. Yeah. Uh, Denim was, a, in his prime, Denim was an animal, oh, which you know. Problem. He was a beast. Problem. He was a, pro, he was a big problem. But trust me, oh. we, I remember we went to Dominican Republic in 04. Right. Uh, went to the Four Nations tournament and me and Denim led the team in, in scoring. And we were, we were in our early 20s. We were still in college. Right. I mean, this guy's a problem. This guy's an NBA player. Yeah. You know, he's an NBA. He was a, he was a pro at 21, 22 years old. For sure. You know. At twenty years old, even so, I mean, yeah, that's that's that's. I would go to war with those guys. No I'd doubt. Go to war with them. No doubt. Hey, Juan, any shout outs or thank yous, man? Before I get you out of here. Yeah, I want to just say thank you to the fans who listen in. I want to thank you. I want to thank uh, what you provide for us, uh, OGs, if you want to call us that. Yeah. Savvy uh, vets. <laughs> yeah. You give us a platform to actually. Um, talk about our past and and what we are doing in the present and that helps you know that, that that helps us a lot that helps the kids the youth to understand where the game is where the game came from you know and and there's a lot to learn and just keep grinding whoever's out there and hooping and those kids that are listening in just keep grinding your time will come just stay consistent stay poised and when your turn when your turn gets there just do the best you can i mean you that that's that but i want to thank you again i want to thank the fans who listen in and yeah man that's really about it that's all i got for you well we uh you know we appreciate you making the time to join us on canada hoops all the best to you and your family and much love to you and uh, we're looking forward to seeing what you do in the future man thank you man i appreciate it thank you very much thanks for the time no problem that wraps up another episode of canada hoops i want to thank juan mendez for pulling up thank you for listening Rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Keep supporting Canada basketball and our Canadian Hoopers, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Canada Hoops.